This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 274 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Sparkle and Boom and Kentucky Performance Products. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Well, hi, everybody. Glenn the Geek here with you. Helena has the week off, so we're going to have some special programming for you today. We'll both be back next week with some new guests and some uh, a little bit of fun. I know Kat's going to be here with a recipe. We have another terrific Tack and Habit product and a, and a wonderful guest lined up for next week. Of course, we're getting into the holiday season when everything gets busy and, and uh, exciting and a little bit of fun, too. So we're looking forward to spending some time with you over the holidays, and we appreciate you giving us the time uh, to spend with you. Well, today I'm going to, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to share with you a couple of episodes of some of the new shows on the Horse Radio Network. First up, you will hear the latest episode of Chasing a Fox in a Little Black Dress. That's Helena's other show that she does. Helena and Sissy have a discussion about formal frock coats for men and women for the hunt. It was kind of fun to listen to because I didn't know all the different rules there are for hunting. And then they speak to Nina Fox, a very fun lady from the Vintage Fox, a unique business offering vintage jewelry and other objects from the fox hunting world. And she's a trip. It was a lot of fun to listen to this episode. If you haven't checked out Chasing a Fox yet, then I would say give it a chance. And immediately after that, we have the latest episode just came out yesterday of Blaze Kids Radio for you. You say you're not a kid, it doesn't matter that this is a fun, entertaining show, and I think you'll enjoy it. We learn all about Horse Haven Rescue, what it's like to be an equine photographer, plus they do a segment called Where Did That Come From? And in storytelling time, it's a Philly named Liberty. I gotta tell you, we'll be getting more comments from adults about the Blaze Kids Radio than kids. Adults are loving this show, so if you haven't listened to it yet, I think you're, you're in for a treat between the two of them today. And we're going to get to both of them right after this word from Kentucky Performance Products. And then our special episodes. As I said, Helena and I will be back next week with uh, some new programming, some terrific guests. And we're looking forward to the holidays. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Did you know that easy keepers and horses on restricted diets are often at risk for vitamin and mineral deficiencies? Most easy keepers are maintained on hay and some get a few handfuls of grain a day. And most of these horses get little to no green grass. Diets that don't include significant levels of green grass or recommended amounts of fortified concentrates just don't supply enough vitamins and minerals. 
Many horse folks don't realize that hay alone, even high quality green hay, is not an adequate source of many vitamins. For example, when grass is cut and dried for hay, the vitamins quickly lose their potency. 70% of the vitamin E found in grass is lost in the first week after it is cut for hay. One way to ensure that your special needs horse is getting all the vitamins and minerals he needs is to add a vitamin and mineral supplement to his diet. A well-balanced supplement will provide the nutrients your horse requires without adding unwanted calories, starches, and sugars. Microphase, made by Kentucky Performance Products, is a vitamin and trace mineral supplement that bridges the gap in your feeding program. With Microphase, your horse receives adequate and balanced vitamin and mineral nutrition without unwanted calories or other ingredients. The minerals in Microphase have been chelated, a process that protects minerals during digestion and increases their absorption in the intestine. Microphase provides vitamins, such as vitamin E, in a natural form so your horse receives optimal results from this supplement. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. This is Helena B. And this is Sissy Finn. And you're listening to Chasing a Fox on the Horse Radio Network. Howdy, howdy. Hello. Here we are again on a Friday. All crazy and messed up. <laughs> We're crazy and messed up. We're taping our show. You guys who've been following along with us, we love you for following along with us. Yes. But, you know, we're, there's, there's a pattern is starting to appear here. I don't know about you, Sissy, but... I'm a morning person, so I do my best work from like six o'clock to in the morning to like eleven thirty in the morning. So yeah. here we are taping at what is it like two, almost quarter of three, yeah, on a Friday. Yeah. I'm like, my, I'm and my done. kids are rolling in off the bus to bother me. So there you go. I'm done. I'm like toast. You would think, you know, what? Since when does the work week end at two o'clock for us? I know it's so true. Bear with us because we're all kinds of wrong things are going to come out of our mouths <laughs> in this episode. But there'll be a lot of right things as well. We have yes. a pretty cool guest this week, don't we, Sissy? Yes, we love Nina Fox. We met her um, when we were in Virginia for the Hound Show earlier this year, and she's really great with fabulous finds. Nina is an antiques dealer, and she is the proprietor of the Vintage Fox, uh, and she sells one-of-a-kind estate pieces that uh, they're literally just to die for. They're gorgeous, uh. and she has quite an eye, not only for the pieces themselves, but for what is, uh, what's, I guess, what a true fox hunter would appreciate in yes. terms of jewelry and watches and objets d'art. Yes. So we're going to hear from Nina in just a few minutes. But before we do, we're going to catch up with formal frocks. It's formal season for a lot of us. And I, obviously, I don't get out of bed or I don't get dressed without talking to Sissy first. <laughs> what should I wear today? And I certainly don't go out hunting unless I consult Sister Finn. Let's talk about funny. frocks because that's my favorite type of formal hunt coat. I think it's just, it's practical and it's still feminine. 
And yep. I would love to wear one, but I'm not sure if I am allowed. Yes. Tell me what to do. Okay. Um, you are allowed. You are allowed. Um, what we need to talk about is um, the different cut of the front of the coat and the amount, the number of buttons you have on your coat. So I, I suppose we should probably start um, from the top and work our way down. So the masters or master, a man or a woman um, wears a frock coat. A man generally will wear a scarlet frock um, master, though they're not required to wear a scarlet frock. Um, and they're um, single-breasted. They have no flaps at the waistline and they have no pockets on the outside except for a little whistle pocket. At the waist? And a, at the waist, okay. yeah. And um, the masters have square corners in the front of their jacket. So um, that's, you know, a little bit different. So they have the square corners. The masters wear four buttons, except if it's a master who hunts the hounds as well, he will would or she would wear five buttons and then right, two buttons on. on the. Let, okay. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So we have, <laughs> okay, a traditional frock coat. If yeah. it's if it's a master's coat, the corners of the the bottom of the jacket are square. Yes. What would they be otherwise? Rounded? They would be rounded, yes. Okay. Right. And we'll so, talk about that later. Okay. So if you are a master, then you will have four buttons. But if you, um, if it's a master who hunts his or own own hounds, then there would be five buttons. That's true. Okay. Yes. All right. Go ahead. I'm caught up. So the um, buttons are, if it's a master and it's a gentleman, they would have gold buttons and a woman would have black buttons. However, it really depends on the hunt. So you would check with your MFH, although they're not checking with the MFH because they are the MFH. So, <laughs> um, so that'll make wear whatever the heck they want, except like maybe hot pink. <laughs> or right. no, if your hunt's colors are hot pink, is there anybody with hot pink colors? I don't think so. If you have, a, if you're listening and you hunt, your hunt has hot pink colors, let us know. That would be kind of exciting. I know it's a long <laughs> shot, but that would be kind of exciting. Makes me kind of want to start my own pack. Oh, dear. Hot pink colors. Oh, that Just might saying. be fun. Okay. All right. All so right. we have three buttons, four buttons, five buttons. Women are traditionally black. Men, if you have a scarlet frock, then you will wear gold buttons. If you have hunt specific buttons, double check. It's yeah. probably okay. So there's there's real no hard and fast rule about the buttons. There's a guideline. There's a tradition, but not necessarily a you have to wear black or you have to wear gold. No, it's it doesn't matter the color, but the number is important. Okay. So so we know what the masters wear. Okay. And now, do you want to talk about what the everybody else wears? Yes, please. Okay. So then the huntsman would wear um, a frock coat, um, and it would have um, square corners in the front just like the masters and in the huntsman would wear five buttons on his coat. So you have to be a huntsman to have five buttons. So either you're a master huntsman with five buttons or a huntsman. Okay. Um, the professional whipper ends would also wear five buttons. Oh, and, okay. And one additional thing that they should have on their jacket, if they were, we're talking about frock coats and one additional thing they would have in their frock coat is a large hair pocket on the inside of the skirt. What's a hair Obviously, pocket? we're not hunting hair. Oh, but hair. Rabbit. Bunnies. Rabbit. Right. Yes. No, not something hair to put your hair in. 
because you know because we all ride around with detachable hair what <laughs> I, I no 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 it would okay, have a, so hair- a hair pocket is that to actually put the animal in or is it for some accoutrement that is involved with hunting hair um i believe that it would be to actually put a hair in but if anybody you know not you're if- out there hunting hair <laughs> Yeah, let us know where you let put us it. Know. Is is this a pocket for something that was once alive? Yeah, I don't I, know. No, it well, that's just like when you're out, I think, shooting, you know, you have pockets where you can stick things that game. you shoot. Okay. Even though we're not shooting at things when we're out fox hunting. But yeah, well, at least not animals. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you should have if you're a whipper in, you should have a large hair pocket on the inside of the skirt. Um, and gentlemen out in the field, whether you are a um, whether you have your colors or not, you can wear a frock coat, but the gentlemen that have their colors obviously would be able to wear a scarlet. And another member, male member of the field could just wear a regular black frock coat, but their coat would have rounded corners in the front. Okay. Cause they're and, not staff. Exactly. They're well, not, they're staff. not master and they're would, not masters. So yes. if, if you're a whipper in and you're wearing a black frock coat, you will mm-hmm. have five buttons and rounded corners. No. You will have five buttons and square corners. Oh, so square corners even for staff. Professional staff and masters have square corners. Got it. Okay. In the front. Is there going to be a test on this? No, I know. It's very confusing. <laughs> I need to it's study. very confusing. And if you're as confused as I am, because I'm easily confused, but if you're confused as well, log on to chasingafox.com and send us an email. Sissy will clarify this for you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, keep in mind it's Friday afternoon, yeah, yeah, and we're yeah. and we to... have and we haven't started drinking yet. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, speak for yourself. Actually, improve. Oh, yeah, you're the second person <laughs> I talked to today who's begun the process. Um, although I would have to say that things may improve if we were drinking while we were taping the show. It happens for Glenn and I all the time. Our holiday episodes are the best on the Horse Radio Network because we all have a little cocktail on our desks as we're recording. Okay, we need well, to try it. We'll have to follow that. Hey, it works for hunting. Well, that's for sure. That's it for certainly sure. certainly couldn't hurt for taping. Exactly. That's okay, funny. but I, I digress. I'm sorry. So, okay. the, so the gentleman member would have rounded corners, three buttons in the front, two buttons in the back, and two or three on the sleeves. And the same would be true for a lady member um, in the hunt field. Just They also could wear their jacket in navy or black. Ooh, ooh. I'm thinking navy frock coat with a navy velvet Helmet. Hunt cap, yes. Hunt cap, and cat leather topped boots. Capped leather topped boots? Patent leather oh. topped boots for Apparently a, I'm losing my hearing as well as my sanity. A patent leather topped boots for a lady with her colors. That would be really nice. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Would it be? Okay, now here's this is my problem. I'm all matchy matchy. This is why I don't dress myself. Yes. Would this be too much if I did a blue velvet hunt cap, ASTM SEI approved, of course. Of course. A navy frock coat. Mm-hmm. And you're going to kill me. What? Navy blue dress boots with navy patent tops. Oh, right. Those boots that we saw at Ada. Hmm. No. You know, I, I mean, it's navy. Pushing my luck, right? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I get all excited. I want to go matchy-matchy. I want to buck the system. Okay, so even, but I'll tell you, even if we did navy coat, you could mix navy and black any way you want. Oh, absolutely. It would look beautiful. You could have a navy coat and a black hunt cap. That would work, too. Okay. 
Um, I, I know you do love those navy boots we saw, though. You're just I trying know. to figure out how to wear them. I know. I know. <laughs> like, don't think I don't know. Said, as soon as she said I could wear a frock coat navy, I was like, ooh, just give yeah. me a reason to go get those boots. Yes, yes. But not navy pants, not navy no, britches. No, I would just do my regular khaki or beige britches, of course. No, I'm not right. that matchy-matchy. <laughs> I was. It would be if point. you could get away with it. I know, but I that's know. okay. All right, so we gotta we gotta wrap this up here because we can. Yeah, you know me. I, I'll I'll have you on all kinds of tangents. So um, a frock coat is it's it's just basically a different style of a formal coat. There's a formal hunt coat and then there's a formal frock coat. Right. The frock coat has a seam at the waist. Okay. It's really at the top of your hip where it would sit. Okay. And then it's got. Well, they refer to it as a skirt that's attached to it, but it doesn't obviously look like it's a skirt. Um, and that the reason that they have a skirt attached to it is to keep your legs um, and your saddle dry, you know, in, in inclement weather. And some of the, um, I know that we saw the um, the scarlet from Dijon Skinner when we visited with them in Boston, and the inside of the skirt was made of a waterproof material. Yes. And Remember the- that? The frocks tend to be cut a little bit longer yes. than a regular hunt coat. And then in particular, Dijon Skinner was saying that their their men's scarlets or their, their frock coats were cut longer and then had this special waterproof material. Yeah, and the idea was to protect their their saddle and their the top of their legs from what we encounter on the, out there on a rainy day. Yes, that's true. So or snowy day. Oh, or snowy <laughs> Or we don't encounter that here much, but what? All right. Bye. No, first hunting because we finish at Thanksgiving, really. So we don't really. I mean, how often do you go hunting in the snow up here? Not very often. I've only been twice, and yeah, and once was in October. I know there are those fluky times yeah. up here in New England where it just doesn't know what the month is or the season is, and it just starts doing something crazy. Right. All right. But, so we have. Um, so. A frock coat is my particular favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. As Sissy said, it, it's what differentiates it from a regular hunt coat is it has a seam across the waist. And it is a little bit more, it does have a skirt. So the bottom half of the coat looks, it, it flares out probably just a tad more than a traditional hunt coat. Um, three, four, five buttons, navy. Depends or black, on who you are. Right? It all depends on who you are. For more information about formal frocks, you can give us a drop us a line at chasingafox.com. Our contact information is up there. But find us on Facebook because that's where we hang out. Yeah. And uh, we will actually post links. We'll post photographs on chasingafox.com, which show what a frock coat looked like. And two links is where you can buy them. We have one that's um, on the more affordable side and the other is a little bit greater investment. Both are Mm -hmm. equally lovely and equally appropriate. Yes, that's true. Thank you, Sister Finn. Hey, no problem. No problem. And we're going to take a quick break from one of our sponsors, and we will be back with Nina Fox from The Vintage Fox. Sparkle & Boom is a new media marketing company. Our mission is to help small businesses add some sparkle to their marketing in order to get some boom in their bottom line. Our creativity, combined with an extensive background in the equestrian industry, makes us perfectly suited to help your business capture the potential of social media and the ever-changing World Wide Web. Visit us online at www.sparkleandboom.com.
Welcome, Nina, to the Chasing a Fox in a Little Black Dress radio show. We're happy you could join us this morning. Oh, I'm happy to be a part of it. Are things, Very exciting. Are things blowing? Is the wind blowing your way down there today? It is pouring rain here. Yeah. And um, it was raining, and then it kind of stopped, and it's blowing, and it's raining again. But it's supposed to be a quick thing. So hopefully uh, it'll be over soon so I can head out of here on my way to Virginia, my favorite place. Now you're packing up. What kinds of tell us about what you tell us about the vintage fox. Yes. Um what it is, what you do and what you think makes it amazing. Well, what I do is search, search and search and hunt 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 for uh mostly Victorian things that have to do with horses and hounds. Uh at Victorian times um Men all wore pocket watches. Uh, they didn't have wristwatches like we do today. Um, watch fobs were jewelry for men and also a status symbol. And obviously, the, the wealthier you were or the higher you were in government or in just in work in general, you would probably wear a lot of gold. Um, men were, were, wore beautiful, beautiful uh, pieces, most of them, and a lot of them having to do with the horse because that was the mode of transportation at the time. So horses, horseshoes, the, the good luck aspect of all that was uh, very popular at Victorian times for women and for men, for jewelry. Hmm. Uh, also, mostly starting in England, a lot of the things are English, but moved into quickly into this country too at uh, the turn of the century. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for beautiful, beautiful fobs and old watch chains that I design. I put them together. They are very wearable with contemporary clothing. They look very cool. They're one of a kind and um, always get a lot of attention when worn. I was checking those out actually on your website. I've never seen anything like them. I mean, with the fobs and the chains and all the really interesting pieces you put together, um, I can't even imagine how many places you could wear them because they're so funky and cool. Well, they can go to the hunt ball or they can go with your T-shirt. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite motto is pretty much with anything that you buy. If you can't wear it with jeans, you know, don't even buy it because that's what you're going to wear. That's That's what you're wearing. That's a really good point. That's an excellent point. And, you know, with today's trends, you can can bling up anything and – and make it look fabulous. So you're right. Just a white t-shirt and a great pair of jeans can, That's right. and can really show rock the stuff and roll. Off. So, which, which makes it worth the investment in these pieces, which we will talk about in a minute. But, um, so when you said you started out this conversation, you search, 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 search. That's, a, I mean, these pieces are so unique and they're so small and I bet they're not very easily found. Tell us a little bit about how, what that search is like. Where do you go and how do you, do you have leads? Like, you know, how do you start on a search? Well, I do, and mostly um, from being in this business for over 30 years. Um, not necessarily jewelry or horse and hounds oriented, but I've been in the antique business for many years. My my uh, interests are uh, started out pretty pretty wide. I was very interested in American art pottery. I love, which, and I still sell some pieces of vintage. Um, Native American jewelry, I really love that. I love that look as well. Good turquoise and silver and sterling, um, old pieces. Um, and French posters, lithographs, uh, have a little bit, of, little bit of knowledge and expertise in that as well. But in all that, 
uh, networking and knowing other antique dealers um, have been really my main source. Because over the years, you establish relationships. It's all about relationships with people. And then people start to know. And obviously, if you're a good client, then people will always call you first when they get things like that. Yeah. And then I get cold calls. I got a call uh, last week from a woman that saw me at Dressage at Devon and uh, in my booth and called me and said, I have a lot of things that you might be interested in. And I went to her house and it was a treasure trove. Oh, so uh, that's some like of it's hitting private. the jackpot, man. I know, I know. Yeah, some of it's private. Uh, some of it's from dealers. I go to a lot of antique shows, mostly higher end shows like Pier Show in New York. I'm telling you all my secrets, you guys are all going to oh, run I around. I know. Yeah, don't tell us that. where. Don't tell but, us where. But, but I'm just trying to tell you that's where you find. I mean, and I pay. I don't mind paying more for good things. You don't really find it. What I'm looking for at this point in a, in a flea market situation. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's... hey, it, 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 people always get lucky, you know. But in general, to do that is is non-productive at this point. Yeah, when you're in the I'm business, very of... very specific what I'm looking for. And if this is your business, this is your livelihood. You can't afford to wait around to get lucky. You you have to go right. after. The I good don't stuff. go to auctions and estate sales, which is what people ask me all the time. I just I don't do that as well. Yeah. Well, we we had the pleasure, Nina, of being in your booth. And let me tell you, I still cannot get the crystal jewelry out of my head because oh. I've never um, seen anything like it. It's almost like, and, and people will have to check out your website to see your crystal pieces. Um, it's almost like the animals are going to come out of the rings and the pendants and the cufflinks. Yeah, they're very three-dimensional. Yeah. Can you explain those a little bit? Because I think uh, when people really think of crystal, they think like of a crystal, a, a see-through crystal, but um, they don't know these treasures that are inside. Oh, these God, they're crystals. gorgeous. Yeah, well, crystals um, were probably began in uh, the Georgian period, about 1840, 1860 in England, became popular uh, in people that had to do with sporting. Uh, and sporting things were hunting, shooting, uh, fox hunting, um, fishing, uh, polo, um, those types of, um, of themes were, were depicted in crystal jewelry and crystal jewelry is really almost a, a lost art at this point today. But what they did was it was a piece of rock crystal, uh, that is domed. And then an artist would carve out in reverse the image of the polo player, or the person riding, a dog, a hound, a fox. The foxes were, were great ones. Mm. And um, so they carved them out and then they were painted with a, like a hair, a brush that's like, you know, the Chinese also painted with, you know, a brush that only had one hair or two to get very, very fine detail in the crystal. And then when that, after they were painted, they were backed in mother of pearl. And the mother of pearl is really what gives it that dimension that depth. It's almost like you're looking at a, a, like a miniature sculpture or like a 3d image in a, yeah. in a droplet of water. That's how clear it is. And it, it, yes. it really brings it out. It's not two dimensional at all, which, and, and it has just enough shimmer to stand out. You know, um, it's, it really is like wearing a work of art. I mean, not like it, it's wearing a piece of art. And there's and they run the gamut too of you know different qualities and the more you look at the more you're able to tell 
which ones are better than others because they were always very popular. And then they became popular as kind of costume jewelry in the 40s in uh, this country, too, where they did them in like a pressed out glass. And they are backed in Mother of Pearl and they do have that look. And they do also have value and collectability, but it's not the same as the um, the ones that are um, usually set in 14 karat gold mm. or in gold or the ones that are finer. And um, gosh, right now I just um, I have a, a bracelet that's amazing with a very large uh, hound in the center and two foxes on either side. Um, really, really great. I have a, a beautiful set of uh, a brooch with a fox head within a hunting horn and it has matching earrings of the fox in the horn and, and a ring also that matches three piece set. I have qu- quite, I have another, fo- I have a lot of fox, not a lot, but I have a lot for me of uh, crystals yeah. at the moment. <laughs> I would oh say but gosh, your collection in general. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm looking yeah. right now, Nina, at the bracelet that you just described. Oh, my God, that is right. Don't you want that for Christmas? Oh, my God. <laughs> right. I know we will post pictures of these uh, these gorgeous pieces at chasingafox.com and our Facebook page. So if you're listening to the show, uh, show, we want you to drool the way we're drooling. And it's not difficult to do when you actually see photos of these pieces. Exactly. You know, I think that if people at the beginning, we should probably give some people a heads up at the beginning of the show and say to go to the vintage um, foxonline.com so they can actually find the pieces as we're talking about them. Not a bad and idea. also don't be discouraged when you see that a lot of pieces on there will first or, or say sold. I, I leave them on there on purpose because it's a great reference point. Oh, Someone sure. can always say, I, I, I really liked that one because mm. especially the necklaces, I can, I can sometimes, you know, kind of repeat it, you know, design wise or something similar. And, uh, and also I need to also catch up. There's, a, there's quite a few things that are not on there because my things get packed up in between shows and then I'm purchasing and it just takes a lot of time to get them all on there. So there's more. So you can always call me. Yeah. 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 What do you, you know, in addition to jewelry, you offer other things for sale, like books and objects of art, objets d'art. Tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, I do uh, like to carry uh, fox hunting. Uh, I look for sandwich cases, whips, um, things that have, have been used gently, but, or, or vintage things that have been used, because I think that, that it's wonderful to have those, uh, appointments that, um, have been used by somebody else and loved and taken care of. And so I find I, I'm always looking for that, uh, that type of thing. And they're just things that complement what I do. Um, I don't do very much in um, artwork because I travel around in glass and and it's too fragile to um, to do. But I love plates and I do a lot of plates with because uh, I love that to decorate with them and they add a lot of color to uh, to my booth and uh, have a lot of my myself at home because they're great for bathrooms because you don't have to worry about water or condensation when you hang them on the wall and they just look fabulous. And there's a lot of great ones with hunt scenes on them. I really like them. Um, Nina, can you tell us a little bit about how this passion started? I, I, my passion started uh, with horses and then I'm a girl and went into jewelry really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I think that's really where where it where it came from. I mean, I love I I love style. I love fashion. You know, besides yeah. the horse thing. You know, yeah. I've always I've hunted for a very long time, and that's my favorite thing in the whole world to do. That's why we um, like you. And this stuff is I like super feminine. Too, it's really, and I, it's I really used girly. to work at Neiman Marcus and I worked at other very high end um, boutiques with very classic, very classic, beautiful clothing. And I love the whole picture, the whole look. And I love that about fox hunting too. I love the tradition. And the, the, the era, the Victorian age that you get a lot of your pieces from is very, it is very feminine. It's very womanly. It's, it's very dressy. So it's a nice way to make yourself, I don't know, I think sometimes when we're involved in sport or riding hobbies that we tend to forget or the feminine side of us tends to take a back seat to the, I need to stay alive, side <laughs> <of> us, <laughs> um, which can be decidedly masculine at times. So this right, is really a nice right. addition to the fox hunting lifestyle. It kind of reminds you of well, where it came from, you know. Right. These, right. It's, it's well, not, I still have some stuff on my bucket list. Side saddle being one of them. <laughs> oh, well, so I don't know if you right girl now, saw on um, the Masters of the Fox um, Hound uh, covered side. They had a picture of a woman jumping six foot eight inches. Oh yeah. <laughs> over yeah, pole Susan pole Oaks. jump, she an can... unbelievable side saddle. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Now that's crazy. something. I love side saddle things, things that, you know, depict women's side saddle. Sissy, did you say that was Susan Oaks? Very collectible. Yeah, that that pit that woman you're talking about is um Susan Oaks and she's broken her own she just broke her own record. I know. She's crazy. Oh my god, I know. But isn't that And I ride side saddle, let me tell you. Oh you do? Yeah, but that is that I can't even wrap my head around jumping something that big. Never mind a stride. Right. I know. It's just crazy. I know. And she looks so amazing. That horse is just stretching his neck out. She's not interfering at all. She's just there. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Great. I love that. Nina, you also do exclusive jewelry design. You have some pieces in your collection that are designed by you. Um, I'm looking at some necklaces that are, they're very trendy. It's interesting that they, they have this vintage feel and they have vintage components, but they're really appropriate for wearing today tell us about those well those are the men's watch chains those are all um men's chains that i find and put together and combine them with the fobs into making necklaces uh uh-huh yes so that's that's what that is that's men's jewelry converted into ladies basically Hmm. But, I, didn't, um, I didn't think I could like you more, but I we just I'll tell you that. what else looks really cool, but I don't know. I have to sh- I'd have to figure out how to show it on my website with a person, really, because you could take that chains apart. Um, I mean, unclip it in the back, unclasp it, and then hook for you younger girls. You can hook it around your um, where your jeans, you know, to put your belt loop through, and then you. Put the rest, let the rest hang out, and put put the other part in your pocket, and it looks like an old oh. watch. Like, a, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like looks, they used to wear their watches. Yeah, yeah a watch it looks, chain. Yeah, it's um, very. It's a really neat look. Younger girls. We <laughs> see, don't say we don't couldn't love her it. anymore, but come on Just now, don't question it. <laughs> well, you know, the girls that still wear belts. You know, the older women, you know, they're not wearing belts anymore. 
So the waistline <laughs> is, changes. Yeah. Yeah. Or we, uh, we, we turn our belts into necklaces. Right. <laughs> Some of us turn them into ankle bracelets, you know, right. do what you got to do. Um, the, uh, now I lost my train of thought here. I'm sorry. There's, there also the other, um, collection that you have are pins and, and brooches and now I, you know, Sissy's more of a traditionalist in terms of what you wear on your stock tie for a pin. Uh-huh. She's very simple stuff. I, however, would probably push my luck and wear one of these gorgeous pins on my stock tie. Uh, pins, where do you get them? What do you like? I, you have a, a really diverse collection with the pins. Yeah, well, you get the people that are afraid, you know, because they're afraid that they're, or they tell you some story how they lost their grandmother's pin out there. I, for one, have never lost a piece of joy riding. So usually they have a pretty good class in the back, um, you know, to hook, hook it in. There are some hunts though that don't, that frown upon um, other than very plain, uh, plain stock pins, but there are, for, there are few and far between because the ladies now are most of them are the masters and they won't have that kind of rule because <laughs> they want to wear their crystal pins or their mom's great pin. Right. But, um, and most of them are tasteful. I mean, let's, let's, you know, I, I think yeah. to well, Fox Hunter's are. credit, you know, we're not out there wearing garish things or being garish. And, no. you know, we leave the hot pink polo wraps and matching saddle pads to the eventers, which are fun. Don't, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm right up there. But um, I think that if we take something like a vintage Fox piece, a, a brooch or something, um, it doesn't have to be huge, but it, it's very elegant. And I think it makes a nice little style. None of statement. them are that big. They're all pretty much traditional sizes. And they look great on a, um, if you're just going to wear it on a, on a tweed jacket, you know, if you don't want to wear it as a, and they look great when you wear multiples. Mm. Ooh. Even though I do like big brooches, not for my stock tie, but in general, and I look for really fabulous, uh, large pins, uh, or brooches that depict, um, horses or whatever, but, um, it's just hard to find them that aren't, you know, that are unusual looking, but. I will buy them if I see them. They're great. And some people really do know how to wear them, uh, a big brooch. They're pretty cool. Or you can wear it on a hat, which is great. Ah, that's an interesting thought, too. Oh, that would yeah. be pretty. Wouldn't that yeah. be pretty, Helena? We're getting some pretty good design tips here. I yeah. know. Style tips. <laughs> I, I, I love, love it. it. I, yeah. Kind of makes me wish that our hunt ball was vintage. <gasps> There's an idea for next year. Oh, there yeah. you go. See, yeah, oh boy, go. we the three of us need to get together more often. We could take Actually, over the Nina world. Actually, Nina was telling me about <laughs> what what ball are we supposed to come to? Oh, Casanova Hunt Ball. Ah, Casanova. It's really fun. When is that? What time of year is it's, that? Uh, I think it's the second. I think it's the second Saturday in March. I Perfect. Believe. We have nothing else to do. Spring there season wouldn't have started yet. Ours there is over. Go. Done. We're, We're coming. Also, if any of <laughs> your um, hunt clubs are interested um, in me coming up and doing a trunk show in your hunt club, I will gladly give a portion of all the purchases back to the hunt club or to your hounds. Oh, so there's um, an idea. That's lovely. Okay. Yes. Let's repeat that. Nina is willing to do a trunk show. She will come to your hunt club yes. and do a trunk show. This is let's the stay with, let's stay within a, you know, <laughs> 500 mile radius or whatever. And but, hey, you know, unless I mean, they want to, they want to fly out to there, pay, pay my airfare. But, <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I, I, I do it at some hunt clubs and it's, it's um, a neat thing to do. I know. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's incredible. Are we too far? (laughs) 
No, you might not be too far. No, we're not too far. We'll get you up here. We'll put you in the back of a horse trailer. We got we got horses coming back and forth between our season wraps up at the uh, after well pretty much in the first week in December. So everybody's going down south and horses. Are right, going. right. We'll just well, maybe I'll have to go there. Maybe I'll have to go to Aiken. Ooh. Oh. Um. So Nino, tell us how if someone is interested in one of your pieces, how do they go about buying it? They can uh, email me or call me on the phone. Um, I can send more detailed pictures. Um, that's, that's the way I do it. I talk to them and send it out. And if they like it, they keep it, and it's easy. Um, I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your schedule, Nina, on your website. You are one busy lady. Where yeah, are you heading after now. this one? Um, after this... Uh, where am I going? I'm going to <laughs> St. James like Church in Moncton, Maryland. Yeah. For their, they have a Christmas, um, like a Christmas shops. And Ooh. there's a lot of, um, a lot of, well, there's two big hunts down there, uh, Greenspring Valley and, um, Elk Ridge, Hartford. And, um, so I'm doing that. Then I'm doing the Pony Club, Elk Ridge, Hartford hunt. Uh, at their clubhouse, a Christmas thing, kind of like what I'm telling you about, doing one mm-hmm. there. And uh, where else am I going? I have some antique shows coming up, too. I do a few antique shows. I do one in Middleburg. Yeah. And uh, I do one out in here in my neighborhood in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And um, on my way to Middleburg today to solidify two trunk shows, which we'll get on my website as soon as we figure out the dates in uh, December, one at a fabulous shop called um, High Cliff Clothier, mm-hmm. and it's men's and ladies' very fine uh, clothing in Middleburg, Virginia. And the other shop is uh, called Foxfire Gallery and Antiques, which is, I already did one trunk show there last month, and it's a beautiful, beautiful new store in Middleburg. Oh, great. Great. So that sounds like a hot spot for you, the, the uh, mid-Atlantic yeah. sort of area. Okay. So if someone's interested in actually seeing these pieces in person, check out Nina's website, which is thevintagefoxonline.com. Her schedule is up there, uh, but you can also email or call her and find out where she's going to be because clearly this woman gets around and we're very happy that she does. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the opportunity to see this stuff in person, I grant you, is... Absolutely. I, I, it's just, it will move you. It will move you. It will inspire you. You will dig into your pocket like you've never dug before. <laughs> well, because thanks, it's girls. It. And, it's I, and, I, and I think we should put some, post some pictures of some pieces. I'll get some new ones out to you. Great, oh, great, great. We will. We After featured. Um, we've actually featured a beautiful pair of your crystal fox earrings on our Facebook page. Jason yeah, they're fox sold. Facebook, which is lovely, and we'll find some more pieces and we'll pe- feature them on Facebook. So uh, make sure you tune into Chasing a Fox on Facebook to see some of Nina's stuff. Yes. Thank you, Nina Fox, proprietor of the Vintage Fox. We hope to have you back when you get some more stuff. Will you come? Okay, and join thank us? you. My pleasure. Nina Fox, man, she's a rock star. She sure is. I, I could talk to her all day long, but I think we have to wrap it up. We do. So thank you, everyone, for listening in today. We hope you'll join us on Facebook, where we feature functional and fun apparel advice for fox hunters and their friends.
If you are a fox hunter and would like to be on the show, send us a message. Send email to email at chasingafox.com. We'd love to get to know our fans. Or if you're interested in learning more about fox hunting, send us a note and we will gladly share our resources. We've already connected a few listeners to some hunts in their areas and we've created a few addicts. Stay tuned for more about that. We're going to actually have them on the show. That's right. And while you're at it, be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Many thanks to today's sponsor, Karen Burkmeyer Home. You can find links to their website at chasingafox.com. Thanks again for following along. We'll be back in two weeks with more from Chasing a Fox in a Little Black Dress. This is Jeff. And this is Jessica, and you're listening to Blaze Kids Radio. Well, how have you been, Jessica? How are you? How's Jasper? And I heard uh, or I saw on Facebook that uh, the Horseshoe Lease has had a little bit of a, a situation that worked its way out. Uh, tell our listeners about that. That horse's name is Sunaboo, and she is a horse that I lease once a week at the farm I keep, Marty and Jasper. And we don't know exactly how she came across it, but um, one of the people um, the night before the incident happened noticed her lying down in her stall and thought it was like nothing, like sometimes horses do lay down. But in the morning, she was still laying down, and the person who saw her called um, the person who owns her, and she ended up calling the vet, and the vet said that she had a twisted colon. And I I came on Sunday, the day I was supposed to take a lesson, and I saw her lying on the ground, and I got really freaked out, and I heard her colic, and I kind of, like, held my breath, like, oh, no, what's going to happen now? Because, you know, colic, sometimes horses can, like, you know, die from that. Oh, yeah, that's serious. Scared. So I ended up standing there for eight hours with her, and holding her up and walking her around and stuff to try to keep it from getting worse. And the vet came a second time to give her some medicine that hopefully to get her out, get out anything. The night of the colic, she got all freaked out and started kicking and stuff, and it was kind of hopeless from there cause oral, because we couldn't really do anything about it besides take her to New Bolton, a horse hospital. So I kind of stood there, and she started kicking out really wildly and bucking in her stall because she was really uncomfortable, and she was on an IV. And she pooped a little bit, and we were kind of like, oh, my gosh, you But we're like, um, we didn't exactly know what to think of it until, because we didn't know if it was, like, it was twisted, so we didn't know if it was on the back part of the twist. But it ended up, she kicked out wildly more, and she... And she got walked around by her owner, and she pooped lots in the morning, and we are so excited. So she's good now. Wow! So maybe she took care of herself. Be a little, a little fit. Her temper tantrum was uh, probably saved her owners a, a lot of money. But uh, I'm so glad to hear that uh, 
that she worked it out, you know, you might say, and maybe that's what it took. You know, this week after we uh, we did our uh, interview with Debbie, as you remember, on our last episode from Gentle Therapy, I got a, a chance to talk to Debbie again because Blaze Magazine really wants to do something to to help Gentle Therapy and and um, um, and Magic. Remember, we talked about their kind of lead lead miniature in the therapy program. So what we're going to be doing is creating kind of a trading card or a postcard personalized by magic that uh, they can give away to kids when uh, magic goes to to visit them. And and Debbie was telling me that they see over 25,000 kids in a year. You know, not all of them are are kids that are sick or have disabilities, but kids that have been through tough times like the Sandy Hook um, uh, tragedy that that she talked about. So Blaze is going to help out magic uh, with his own uh, personalized trading card. They're going to do a little hoof print on there, and um, we'll be seeing those cards uh, shortly. And our subscribers to Blaze Magazine will all get one too. So that was something nice that turned out from our uh, a really nice interview with Debbie last week. So that was last time. This time we have another fun fact-filled show for our listeners. Our Did You Know segment is a tasty one, you might say. Jessica and I have studied up on horses' sense of taste and learned some really interesting things that we want to share with you. And our Where'd That Come From segment is back this time with some everyday cliches or phrases that you might hear your parents or your grandparents say that refer to horses. We're going to tell you where those cliches came from and something that maybe your parents might not even know. Jessica will be introducing you to shutterbug Sean Hamilton. A shutterbug, it's an old word for photographer. And Sean loves to photograph one subject specifically, and that's horses. And she takes incredible photos of horses. So Jessica will introduce you to her. And I'll introduce you to Jen Reed, who works at the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Utah and spends most of her day in the Horse Haven program, which cares for rescued horses. The horses and other pasture pals at Best Friends Horse Haven have some extraordinary journeys to share as well. And our good friend Carly is back to take you back in time to the year 1882 in Long Branch, New Jersey. In fact, with a story about Liberty a beautiful thoroughbred filly, and a little girl who share something special. That's all coming up, but first a message from one of our sponsors. Hi, I'm Kelsey, and I like Schleich. Actually, I work at Schleich, where we make wonderful toy figurines, like the horses with braided manes. There are just so many to choose from. Did you know that each one is hand-painted? That's why they all look so great. Each one is special because it's so unique. Check out the beautiful Lepizana mare with a French braid or the ornately braided fell pony stallion. Oh, and what about the lovely Halfinger or Shire mare? It's just so hard to decide who to play with, so I'll include them all. You can too. Just go to your local toy store or ask a parent to help you go online to schleich-s.com to find a store near you. You can also look at all of the other horses we make and even download cool apps or other fun activities. Don't forget to look in your Blaze magazine for the test to find out which like horse is best for you and for our beautiful braids photo contest where you could win $50 worth of braided manes horses from Schleich. Playing with Schleich horses is the best 
Until next time, have fun horsing around. We're back with our Where Did That Come From segment that we introduced in one of our first shows. If you are a regular listener, you know that we like to mix our segments up a little bit, show to show. And this is another fun one. There are tons of little phrases in the English language that have their own special meaning, but literally make no sense if you don't know what they mean. They're called cliches. You know, kind of like, I'm in hot water, meaning you're in trouble. Or I've put my foot in my mouth when you say something you shouldn't have. And tons of them have their origins, or came from, the horse world. So let's start with this one. And you've probably heard it. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's a popular one. Do you know what it means? This cliche goes back more than 800 years. It means that someone can tell someone else to do something, but they can't make them do it. How about this one? Did you know someone who eats like a horse? This cliche comes from the fact that horses spend much of their time eating large amounts of food. Their their digestive system is unusual. For such a big animal, they have a small digestive system. Food passes through them quite quickly. So horses need to eat more food to get more nutrients. To eat like a horse is to eat a lot. Have you ever heard someone being referred to as long in the tooth? The cliche goes back to 1852. When horses were sold, their teeth were checked to tell how old they were. As horses age, their gums recede and their teeth appear longer. So a person who is said to be long in the tooth is someone who is old and wise. And now you know where that came from. More horsey cliches for you in future episodes of Blaze Kids Radio. Our next guest's work has taken her around the world. She's covered equestrian sports at five Olympic Games, from Spain to Hong Kong. Sean Hamilton has experienced South Africa and Chile and Argentina on horseback, and her horsey photos have graced the covers of many magazines, as well as her Crazy for Horses children's book series. Her company is called Clicks Photography. Welcome to Blaze Kids Radio, Sean. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing very well. Leave for Costa Rica tomorrow, so I'm escaping the cold weather for a little while. Well, that sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Doing any photography there? Yes, I'm actually going there to cover uh, a riding vacation. I'm doing it for um, a riding vacation article for uh, the Canadian Horse Journals magazine. Hmm, sounds interesting. So mm-hmm. when did you acquire the liking for photography? Oh, I started taking pictures at a very young age, probably 10, 11 years old. I love taking pictures. And an aunt and uncle of mine bought me uh, my first 35-millimeter camera for Christmas one year, I think when I was about 13 or 14. And that was about the same time I started riding horses as well. Do you get hired for a magazine, or do they just buy your work to put on the magazine? Well, how it started was I, I was working in the computer science field, and I still took pictures, and I would go to horse shows on weekends, And I started taking pictures of my friends at the horse show. 
And then I started showing the pictures to them, and one thing led to another. The next thing I knew, I would be the official photographer at a horse show and selling photos to the individual riders and horse owners. And when I had my first child, she is now 23, I decided not to go back to work and pursue my photography as a career. And so once I started doing the horse shows, I then decided to submit my photos to different Canadian magazines. And to my surprise, they both phoned me on the same day while I was at my uh, full-time job then and requested a photo of mine for the cover of their magazine. So that gave me the confidence to sort of jump in with both feet. And now what happens is magazines will send me their guidelines of what they need and their deadlines, and I will submit photos to them for uh, the articles that they're, are coming up in their next issues. Tell us what it's like to be like going to all these new places and stuff. <laughs> well, the first time I photographed the Olympics was in Barcelona, and that uh, that was when I first thought, wow, I've really made it. This is pretty cool. And I've done four other Olympics since then. Now I really enjoy the riding vacations because the, the articles, because you get to meet all different people from all over the world, and the one common denominator that we all have is our passion for horses. So that's a lot of fun. So it seems like a lot of fun, but is there any really hard parts about doing this job? Yes, um, maybe 20% of it is being able to go on the riding vacations <laughs> and go to people's barns and photograph their horses, and the other 80% is sitting in front of the computer, editing and processing your photos and uploading to the website and submitting to magazines and invoicing and uh, writing. So a lot of it is still sitting at a desk behind a computer, unfortunately. So you kind of have, like, a little bit of fun, but mostly work. That's right. But then you get to relive the fun as you're processing your photos, so that's kind of nice. It puts you right back there. Do you, like, just stick with horses, or do you photograph some other animals, too? Well, there's a magazine called Horse Illustrated, and it's owned by a company called i5 Publishing in the U.S., and they publish a number of magazines on farming called Hobby Farms, Hobby Farm and Home. They do annual ones on chickens, ducks, pigs, turkeys, you name it. So I've started to work uh, with them as well. And I do enjoy that, going to small farms. I just finished doing a day shoot in Ontario and Quebec on ducks. I was quite surprised to find out how many breeds of ducks there actually are. These are farm-raised ducks, not wild ducks. So I have ventured out into the animals, and I also have a passion for skiing. So I've done quite a bit of ski photography as well. I love Personally, I love skiing too, and I usually go about once every winter. But only once. Ever, yeah, only once, sadly. So any tips? for young horse people that would like to get into photography? Yes. Um, I think first and foremost, you need to have some sort of a business degree. You have to have an education in marketing skills and accounting and that type of thing because you could be the best artist in the world or the best photographer in the world, but if you can't get yourself out there and you don't know how to market yourself and you don't know how to do 
collections and invoicing and how to run a business, how to deal with people, then you're not going to be successful at it. So I think a business experience or a business background is definitely a must. So I know a lot of people want to find out more about you and what you do and like everything like that. So what is your website address so our listeners can check out your fantastic course photos? <laughs> My website address is www.clicksphoto.com, which is C-L-I-X-P-H-O-T-O dot com. Okay. Thank you for attending here, and thank you for answering all my questions. I know I had fun. I hope you had fun. Thank you. Yeah, it was very fun. Thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. Hey, y'all, the American Quarter Horse Association rewards members for riding their horses. You heard me right. Rewards for just riding your horse. Any breed, anywhere. Join the AQHA Horseback Riding Program today to start earning prizes from the AQHA's corporate partners just for spending time in the saddle. Visit them at aqha.org to sign up today. That's aqha.org. And now it's time to go back in time with our Once Upon a Horse story. Carly is back with us again to tell a tale about a very special thoroughbred filly named Liberty who learned how to be a magnificent horse from a little girl who knew exactly how the big horse felt. There once lived a horse named Liberty. In the year 1882, in Long Branch, New Jersey, there once lived a horse named Liberty. Liberty was a beautiful, leggy, thoroughbred filly. She was training in becoming a racehorse at a big racetrack called Monmouth Park. It was a place that was always busy with activity. It made Liberty very anxious. Since Liberty began her training, she experienced many new things that frightened her, including her bridle bit. When her trainer tried to put her bit in her mouth, Liberty would toss her head wildly as soon as the scary shiny object came close to her nose. Liberty, her trainer begged one day, you must settle down. We need to show your owners what a magnificent horse you are. You must take the bit so we can train you properly. But Liberty was too frightened by all the new things to learn. Okay, girl, her trainer comforted. I think I know what to do. I believe that my daughter can help us. Before we came to America from England, we had a special way of talking to horses to calm them down. Maybe she can help you. Liberty didn't understand everything the man was saying, but his patience and soft words somehow made her feel better. She dropped her head and lightly licked her lips. That a girl, the man said. That's what we want. A short time later, the man returned with his young daughter. Liberty had become very anxious again while she was left alone. When she saw the bit in her trainer's hand, she began tossing her head and pacing back and forth. The young girl entered her stall. Hello, Liberty, she said very quietly. I know you're afraid of so many new things around you, and I understand just how you feel. Liberty stopped pacing and nervously listened to the girl. You see... The girl continued in a soothing voice. I just went through a scary new experience myself. When my father lost his job at the racetrack in England, we decided to move to America. Liberty dropped her head and softly licked her lips. The girl smiled and began stroking the horse's long neck. I had to leave my cousins, aunts, uncles, and all the horses that I loved at the track. We boarded a very crowded ship for a three-week voyage across the ocean. 
My parents assured me that everything would be okay, but I was still very frightened, especially when we sailed under the Statue of Liberty. Liberty relaxed even more when she heard her name. The girl went on. We came to a place called Ellis Island. It was very busy and hectic, and scary. The girl then said in a quiet voice, a lot like this racetrack. Liberty took a deep breath and licked her lips again. We had to be inspected before we could come into America, she explained. My mother told me that it was very important for me to stay calm. That was so hard to do. But I started to think of all the fun times I would have in this new country, and all of the beautiful horses I would meet. And now look, Liberty, I met you. You are such a beautiful thoroughbred, and just like me, your heritage goes back to England too. Liberty was calm and relaxed. The girl nodded to her father to enter the stall. Liberty was licking her lips when he held the bit up to her nose. Liberty sniffed it several times before licking the cool, shiny metal for a taste. It wasn't that scary after all. She opened wide and allowed the trainer to place the bit in her mouth. He secured the bridle over her ears. Liberty kept licking the bit. Her nervousness turned into excitement. She was thinking of the fun times she would have with her new friend. The girl smiled and looked at her father. Now, let's go show Liberty's owners what a magnificent horse they have, she said calmly in her gentle voice. We're so excited to take you to Horse Haven in Utah in this part of the show. Joining us is Jen Reed, who cares for horses, mules, goats, and sheep in their Horse Haven home. These animals get good food, room to roam, love and attention, and a beautiful canyon to call their home between homes as they heal both physically and emotionally. Welcome to the show, Jen, and we are really interested in what you do at Best Friends Sanctuary, and I know more specifically you're a manager at Horse Haven. So, you know, tell us what it's like. What kind of animals do you take care of there? How many do you take care of? How many are helping out? Um, Fill our listeners in. Well, I work in Horse Haven, as you said, and that's just one small corner of the sanctuary. And what we care for down here um, is obviously horses, but we have other animals as well. We have uh, mules and donkeys and sheep and goats and pot-bellied pigs. So pretty much anybody that has hooves comes to our part of the current down here. One big pasture, or is there some separation in, in the area that you work in? Yeah, we're spread out uh, all over the canyon where Best Friends Animal Sanctuary is in a beautiful place called Angel Canyon, and we're spread out over several miles. We've got all sorts of different areas, so our our sheep and goats live together, but our pot-bellied pigs live in one area, our horses uh, and other equines all live in, I think we have about 14 different paddocks and pastures um, throughout the canyon that they live in, so it really just depends on uh, what their special needs are, and where they're going to get on best as to where they live. Yeah, I see. So Blaze Magazine and Blaze Kids Radio being an extension of that focuses on horses. So no disrespect to our other uh, animals that you care for, but let's, let's talk about the horses. And maybe specifically, where do they come from? 
You know, our horses and mules and donkeys come from a few different situations. Sometimes it's a situation where they maybe have some special need. Maybe it's a medical problem or a lameness problem, and the, their home is no longer able to care for them. And if space is available, they'll come with us. Sometimes, unfortunately, we get them from animal control or from a situation where uh, their current owners are not really taking good care of them, and uh, the animal control steps in and asks us to take them. So sometimes that happens. We also work with other sanctuaries and rescues if they have uh, a particular individual that they're really struggling with. Sometimes we're able to, to take that animal on, and uh, you know that horse that has some special needs, maybe they're not able to be handled and touched, and they need a lot of training. So um, those are kind of the, the normal route, so shall we say, that they make our way to us. Yeah. So Horse Haven is is the idea in that it's a temporary it's a layover for for another more more permanent home? Is that is that the idea? Well the the idea is where we're a place where ultimately our goal is to find wonderful adoptive homes for all of our animals. But until that home comes along, we make a commitment that they get to live their life out here um, until just that right family comes along to take them home. And if for some reason, you know, sometimes uh, things happen and the animals may need to come back to us. But ultimately, yeah, we want to find them good homes where they can go and be part of the family and be loved and be one of maybe a herd of two or three instead of a herd of 40. Yeah, I see. Anyone that owns horses know that uh, it can be expensive at, at times, not always, but it still costs some money to, to care for them. So where, where does that come from? You know, we are incredibly fortunate here at Best Friends. We have amazing donors and supporters that make donations that allow us to help all of the horses that come to us. Sometimes it's individuals. Um, we had a gal come and volunteer the other day that for her 14th birthday, instead of gifts, she asked all of her friends to make a donation that she later brought to Best Friends. So sometimes it's it's wonderful donations like that. Sometimes it's larger donations from uh, corporations or individuals that, that are able to give larger sums. But yeah, it's all through through donations from generous people. And can people donate their time as well? Is, it, uh, is there volunteer opportunities? Oh, absolutely. We are open to volunteers every day of the year. We have folks that come out. Um, and, you know, with horses, just because there are some safety issues sometimes, you need to be 12 years old to volunteer here at Horse Haven. But there are other areas in the sanctuary where younger folks can, can spend time as well. But um, as long as you're 12 years old or older, you can come to Horse Haven and you can help with uh, mucking. That's always something that needs to be done. Or feeding or grooming or anything that way. Absolutely. And is that part of the, the what I understand to be the Guardian Angel uh, program from Best Friends, or is that something different? The Guardian Angel program is a part of our website, which is www.bestfriends.org. And there's a, a segment on that website um, where we focus on very special needs animals, and we write little journal updates about their progress. For example, um, we had a little miniature horse. Her name was Missy, 
and she came to us uh, with a broken leg, unfortunately. And we wrote about how, what we did to help her recover from her broken leg and heal. And happily, she recovered very well. And uh, in fact, I'm just due to write the last update in her little guardian angel program journal and let everybody know that she went to her adoptive home this just two days ago. So it's it's a great way to really follow a very specific animal and really understand the care that they get here and, um, you know, really focus on those special needs, guys. Oh, that's a great story. So kids that aren't in your, your area of the country, that, that being Utah, um, they can follow animals that they support or, or donate to from whatever part of the country they're in, I, I suppose, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's Lots of really amazing animals, but the ones on the Guardian Angel program, you know, they come in with some pretty big challenges to overcome. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a really nice way to be able to, to get more in, involved with, you know, what actually happens in their journey here. Well, what a great program. I want you to, if you would, tell us again where um, kids can get more information, that being your website, and maybe how our, our Blaze Magazine readers and our Blaze Kids Radio listeners, uh, where they would start if, um, if this is something they want to, to, to help with. And certainly it's coming up to that time of year where um, everybody uh, can afford to be a little bit more generous, I think. So what, uh, where do they go and, and how do they get started? So they can go to our website, which is bestfriends, B-E-S-T-F-R-I-E-N-D-S dot O-R-G, and that'll take them to our homepage. And there's a few different things that they can follow through the website there. They can uh, link into our Guardian Angel program and uh, look at those specific special needs animals, or they could look at um, our adorable adoptable section and and find uh, animals that are ready to go and find their forever homes or sponsor animals. Um, you know, there, there's a few different uh, links that you can get from the main page, and there's some really amazing animals here. All right, fantastic. Well, we will uh, publish that information on that website again for you on our Blaze Kids Radio website as well as the magazine site to remind kids that um, what, a, what a great opportunity for them and, and certainly even greater for, for the animals you care for. So, Jen, thanks so much for your time today and, uh, and all the best. For details about today's show, go to www.blazekidsradio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. And as always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Blaze Kids Mag. And you can subscribe to Blaze Kids Magazine at www.blazekids.com. Many thanks to our sponsors, Schleich and AQHA. And be sure to visit all of the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And Jess, your Facebook. My Facebook is Just Blaze Kids Radio, where you can find all the stuff I post and about Jasper. And until next time, keep on blazing those trails. <laughs>